Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's happening, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. Remember to check all our previous shows out on Podbean, on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your media. Check us out there. Check us out on social media as well. Uh, I'm at the Real Evan Mac on Twitter, and Ross is at Ross Reed. And look at us reunited, and it feels so good in front of this camera. After doing some audio-only podcasts, what's up, Ross? What's up, man? How you doing? We're back at it. Back at it. Back like we never left. You know it. And a lot to get to on this show, as you got us to about 8 o'clock tonight, if you're watching Central Standard Time, uh, local Chicago time. And we've got, yeah, a lot to get to. The training camp has begun for the Bears and NFL training camps all across the nation as well. We're talking about everything in between. Uh, throughout the show, but yeah, big bears news as, as we saw the first day of training camp break today. And we'll talk about other stuff and things like the Choco Taco and, and mega millions, all the, all the stuff you really look forward to. The top five is interesting today. Top five diss tracks of all time that we will get to at the end of the show. But cool. first things first, it feels real Ross as training camp has begun for the bears and, and reporting the Hallis Hall and reporting to uh, to Bourbon A for that matter to to go um, and and get this thing started with Justin Fields and, and a new look team under a new coach and really retooled roster. When you look at even just this last week was busy with a couple additions that we'll get to in a second, but a revamped defense like we've talked in the past podcasts and past episodes and, and a buddy of mine, we were, we were talking about the show and he said, you're two of the most pessimistic bears fans. I said, <laughs> we're, we're two of the most realistic bears fans. I think you set the bar low, then you won't be as disappointed. And to be fair, we, we both sided on the, the air of going over seven wins, which is pretty mm-hmm. good, but we both, what we want is certainly to see Justin Fields improve. And it starts here. It starts in training camp uh, around a retooled offensive line uh, with the, new skill position players that he tools with. And the same can be said about the defense too. this defensive secondary. There's some high expectations and, and how they're going to handle it. Roquan Smith, will get to his situation in a moment as well. And, and the rest of the defensive line, but the whole team it's mixed expectations. It's a, it's a new beginning, a new regime. And I think I'm forgetting who said it specifically, but it's it seems like it's trending in the right direction uh, as far as accountability under Matt Eberflus versus the Matt Nagy era. So to begin, I think importantly, the big uglies up front protecting Justin Fields, he got a little bit of help this last week when the Bears are looking at vets and after the Dakota Dozier signing kind of blew up in their face uh, when he couldn't even make it to training camp. 
you go and get some depth and you sign a guy for a year and, and Michael Schofield, who comes to the Bears from the Chargers to work on the inside of the line, a guard. Uh, I know his wife, Kendall, and he are pumped with the, you know, that he's with the Bears now. Kendall Coyne, his, his wife, was a very accomplished hockey player, one of the most decorated hockey players ever, uh, who I had the pleasure of meeting once. And then Riley Reef at tackle, who was also signed, who played with the Bengals most recently last season. It was, his season was cut short by an ankle injury. He could play right or left tackle. He's done both in his career. A former first-round pick, a tough guy. It, it's a good way to spend, you know, 10 to $12 million, whatever he ends up making. Uh, what do you think about these vets to start off, Ross, and, and these moves at offensive line? Yeah, I mean, I think it was um, something that was much needed. I, I think Ryan Poles and Matt Everflus probably looked at the offensive line during OTAs, and they saw um, they saw a very young group. They saw probably an inconsistent group. And, you know, most importantly, they looked at their franchise quarterback and they said, listen, we can't have him behind this line for, you know, 17 games. He probably isn't going to be able to hold up for 17 games if we throw this group out there. And I think they would be doing uh, Justin at the very top of the service if they, you know, threw those guys out there. And also, I think they will be doing the young men who who are vying for for some of these spots on this offensive line a disservice if they um, put them in that spotlight immediately. You know, you, you've got one of the Bolsa boys coming at you week one, for goodness sakes. And, and you know, it's going to be a tough test throughout the entire season. So, you know, I, I think it wouldn't have been fair for a guy like Braxton Jones, who's a fifth round pick this year, to um, have to go out there and be your week one uh, left tackle against a guy like like Nick Bolson, right? Um, you know, and then also I think a guy like Tevin Jenkins who who struggled to stay on the field his rookie season, um, or Larry Borum who's you know kind of a, a lower round pick. I, I think it allows those guys to kind of ease into their own um, and not have the pressure on them to be um, day one starters and, and and make a massive impact. If all those guys end up doing that, awesome. But I think that, you know, Ryan Poles wanted to lean on some veteran uh, leadership, um, especially as you start to install a new offense. And I think he also wanted to lean on guys who uh, were accustomed to being disciplined up front in the offensive line. But, um, you know, I, I tweeted out a stat yesterday, you know, um, Riley Reef had about 711 offensive snaps last year um, as the right tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals, who of course went to the Super Bowl. And of those 711 snaps, um, he had only one penalty last year. He gave up about four sacks, but only one penalty last year. And you think about what the Bears looked like last year on offense, you know, and not being able to find a rhythm and being constantly in second and third in longs. Um, a large part of that was due to bad penalties, bad penalties from, you know, guys like, you know, uh, Fetty, who was on the field, who had no business being a, a starter for you. And, you know, even Tevin Jenkins struggled sometimes in, in getting those penalties. And that's the fastest way to derail uh, an offensive series, but that's also the fastest way to put your young quarterback in trouble. So I applaud the moves by Ryan Poles. I think it was really smart and intelligent that he brought both of those guys in. Now you look at your offensive line. You've got Riley uh, Reef, who will be your starting left tackle on day one. I, I can, I think we can put that in pen right now. You know, right. you, you've got Cody Whitehair, you know, next to them. And then, you know, on the right side of the line, you know, you can kind of, you know, uh, you know, figure out, you know, who, who's going to be there, right? I, I think that Schofield is going to be the right guard starting. Um, and I think that Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum are going to duke it out um, at the right tackle spot. It, it sounded like uh, Larry Borum uh, got the first team snaps today. 
Um, but Tevin Jenkins could beat him out. He, he certainly has the talent to do so. Or Tevin Jenkins could battle Schofield for the uh, for the right guard spot. Now the Bears have options, which is what you want uh, going into this situation, right? Is you want cap, camp battles, excuse me, an option. So I applaud the most. On paper, it looks nice looking left to right. If you get Riley Reef there, you get Cody Whitehair, you get uh, Lucas Patrick, you get Schofield, and then between Borum and Jenkins, that competition will be good. Hopefully... You know, you you want Tevin Jenkins to be that pick and and as good as advertised after recovering from the back surgery, but it it looks good on paper. I, I do applaud the moves. I agree with you, Ross. There that it makes a lot of sense for this offensive line to to have some veteran leadership to give Justin Fields some more time in the pocket, which he didn't seem to have, and and create plays. So mm-hmm. looking at that right side of the line with Larry Borum and. And Tevin Jenkins is just something we'll we'll monitor as we continue on through the season. But you know, it's one day into practice here, into training camp, that is. And and I know that another big storyline is certainly the Robert Quinn presence and him holding out, not practicing, d- doing anything spring related. Uh, and it, it feels like it was just all just that kind of off season storylines where he's a guy who certainly he's been traded before and doesn't want to get traded again. You know, he's sitting out these spring drills. Most folks love big Rob, uh, you know, was he unhappy or what was going on there? But it turns out he, he went into practice and fully practiced uh, with all his teammates. And, and really it just seems like there's, there's not much else to it. Do you see any, anything else that I'm not seeing Ross? You know, the only thing that I can see is, is I think that the bears, um, more actively shopping him. And I, and I think that they still might be shopping him at some point later down the line, just because I, I think he's a good football player, but he obviously is a little bit older and he doesn't quite fit their timeline for the rebuilding uh, you know, part of things. And if they can get a decent package, I think that they will move on from him. Um, so what I saw was a guy who didn't ask specifically for a trade, um, but I, I think it's a guy who has been traded twice now in the NFL and so he's smart enough to know that when things might be rumbling a little bit or, or, or he can kind of see the tea leaves. And he's kind of like, look, you know, I, am I mentally preparing myself for uh, my third trade of my career? And I think also, quite frankly, he's, he's a little tired of moving around. He, I, I think that, you know, he kind of wants to stick in one spot for the rest of his career. You can understand that. The guy's in his 30s. The guy came off a career of the year last year. Chicago's an awesome city. And I think he's kind of, you know, in his mind, he's like, I would like to finish up here, but it really feels like I could be traded at any moment. And, and you know, I, I, I kind of agree with him with that. Hmm. Yeah, I know that he said he's been traded before and he doesn't want to get traded again. He, you mentioned his age, and that's a big question mark, even though he was a bright spot with his defense last year. But, uh, you know, training camp, this is what it's for, to make sure these guys get ready for the upcoming season and they stay healthy, and it's super important. I think Robert Quinn knows that, and he spoke to reporters. He, he's just the vet, and and you know, him being at camp is not certainly as noteworthy as another guy on that defense who is Roquan Smith, who's the captain of that defense. And that's a tougher situation where, and an odder situation where he walks into camp and uh, and reports, but goes straight on the pup list. We know that he's not physically unable to perform. We know that he's seeking a long-term contract and whatever that looks like, um, you know, he'll work out with the bears organization and his agent, but how 
concerning is that Ross looking at, you know, Roquan and getting reps into training camp. I don't think it's as important as, uh, you know, if he was a rookie for sure, but it's certainly wanting to get that, that those uh, practice reps in with the ones is, is going to be super important in training camp. It, it is. And obviously, I mean, he is the focal point of this offense. We heard Matt Eberflus, you know, finally, um, you know, tell us to this today, this morning on, on the score that, you know, Roquan is going to play that that uh, um, um, Shaq Leonard position. I, I stumbled there because he wants to call himself uh, Shaquille Leonard and not Darius Leonard uh, now. But you know, obviously, the the man formerly known as Darius Leonard now Shaquille Leonard in the, for the Colts, who is an All Pro linebacker, and, and Everfuse wants him to play that that off ball, you know, same role in, in that position. And so, you know, Roquan, who has the skills, obviously, to do it, and he, but he becomes that becomes the most important player uh, on the defense for the Bears if that's what Everfuse wants. Which means you got to get him out there sooner than later. He's got to be able to. Uh, learn the terminology and 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 see what the front seven is doing and see what the back seven is doing and be able to call out the plays and you know his speed and being able to go from sideline to sideline and his skill out in coverage really makes him very important. Um, but on the flip side, I don't blame Roquan for you know he's going into the last year of his deal. Um, I the aforementioned Leonard has already gotten his deal done five years, ninety eight million dollars. Other players. Who are of, of similar age and stature as Roquan have gotten the sim a similar deal. It's been about five years in the high ninety uh, million dollars, which means that I think Roquan is right. I think he needs to get paid. I think he, he you need to give him five years, one hundred million dollars. You need to give him twenty million dollars a year. The Bears have the cap space. They will have the cap space going forward next year. He's the best player on the roster currently, and and, and so I think that you know. It, Roquan is, is kind of playing this the right way. My only concern with all of this is um, I, I, I'm never a big fan of players who don't like agents. I think agents are um, a, a necessary evil in sports. They are the kind of people who can help facilitate, facilitate these things a lot faster. I think uh, for an athlete, it's important to have an agent who will just allow you to do the stuff that you need to do on the football field and in practice and let me take care of all the dirty work behind the scenes and, and all that crap, right? And, and so that kind of concerns me with, with Roquan because I think that this could drag out a little bit longer for the simple fact that he doesn't have an agent. Remember, uh, all the way back in his rookie year, he held out of camp a little bit because he wanted some different terminology in, in his contract. So that's the only thing that concerns me. Let's hope, fingers crossed, that uh, you know Ryan Poles um, and the Bears can get this done sooner than later. And I say sooner by, like, let's try and get this done by the end of the weekend, and let's see if we can get Roquan Smith on the field uh, in practice next week when they put some pads on. With respect to Roquan, I definitely forgot about him electing to not go the agent route, and, and some guys are like that, but they just got to be extra careful. You, you said it all as far as him deserving to be that guy who's going to be paid in the middle, and, and, you know, the Bears' history at middle linebackers is steeped in, in great legacy, and he, he has played up to that position so well uh, almost at a you know certainly all nfc level he's he's almost a, a, a pro bowler at this point he just needs a great supporting cast around him and can do it all super athletic guy teammates love him it's something that needs to be resolved soon if you're the bears and give him his money it makes a lot of sense if you paid eddie jackson that much and there's not other guys really of deserving you're in the, the cap position at that point to give him his money and pay him a hundred million dollars, say something like that, you you jump at that opportunity to pay Roquan Smith. 
Uh, and as far as the rest of that defense is concerned, it, it does look like uh, everybody, this is the first time, I think Ross, you mentioned on Twitter, and, and the offense for that matter, first time in a long time where they come into camp looking pretty healthy, which is an encouraging thing. I think, you know, based the rookies and the vets, all of them are ready to go and, you know, have a good camp and, and stay healthy, barring, you know, I got to knock on wood because we see some gruesome, weird non-contact in, injuries sometimes, but it's looking good right now. Yeah, it is looking good. I, you know, we only have two guys right now on the pup list. You know, Roquan, which I think is mostly just a contract situation, why he's on the pup list. Um, and then we know that uh, Kamara is on the pup list as well for the Bears. Um, there's a couple guys not practicing right now. With some, you know, Sam Kamara is the, the defensive end uh, who's on the pup list right now. But some guys are not practicing uh, right now, Dane Crunchank and, and a couple other guys. But it doesn't sound too serious, which is awesome. I, I think that the Bears – have a lot of young guys on their roster right now, which, you know, if you've got one of the younger rosters in the league, you tend to not have a lot of guys on the pup list. But that just means that we can see some true camp battles go out there because there's some there's still a lot that has to be you know, figured out here. You know, you go look at like wide receiver depth, right? Who's going to be the the top three to four guys are going to be on the football field for the Bears. I think we can firmly say Darnell Mooney, you know, Bayless Jones, Brian, uh, Brian Pringle are going to be your top three guys. But Who's number four? Is it Equinomis St. Brown? Is it Enkeel Harry, who we heard a lot about today uh, in, 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 after the first uh, practice that they have? Is Dab Newsom going to stick in there or Tajay Sharp or something like that, right? Um, you know, who's going to be a backup to Cole Komet? Is it Ryan Griffin? Is it James uh, O'Shaughnessy they have on the roster right now? So there's a lot of camp battles out there. I, I think the biggest thing for me that I'm most happy with is the young guys in the secondary um, are out there right away because I think this secondary has the opportunity to be really special down the line if these guys can all stay together and, and gel together. So I love seeing Kyler Gordon out there day one. I love seeing Jaquan Brisker get that deal done in time for camp to start. Eddie Jackson looks great. He looks healthy. And of course, Jalen Johnson looks great. Man, those guys right there, those four guys are going to be huge, huge shoes to the success for the Bears, not only in the short term, but I think the long term because they've got top five uh in the league potential as a secondary yeah that's a that's big buzz top five top 10 is, is based on brisker and these other guys and eddie jackson if he's healthy and ready to rock he can play at an all pro level we've seen it before and, and look at this little wrinkle in, in day one of training camp we see Vilas jones jr fielding punts which makes a lot of sense dante pettis chris finke and eddie jackson who fielded punts at alabama who is probably mm -hmm. An emergency option. I don't want him fielding punts. Uh, I would rather have Vilas Jones. Vilas Jones, I think he shook Brisker in practice. I saw brief headlines and and in red zone drills. Like that yeah. guy, that kid, he could be that X factor that you need. Uh, a speedster addition to Justin Fields and the rest of this offense. You need him to be um, your your Dabble Sweeney kind of uh, Dabble Sweeney. Um, um, who's the guy's name? There's no juke in Devil Sweeney's game. Debo, Debo Samuels. Debo Samuel. Samuel. Your Debo Samuel slash, slash Jalen Waddle kind of guy. Like real, real twitchy, real gadgety kind of guy, being able to line up all over the field um, and, and being able to win those one on one battles, which I, I listen, I've been on the record saying I am super high on Jones and I'm also super high on Gordon. So, you know. Iron sharpens iron, right? Let those two guys go at it at each other in, in practice every single day because it's only going to get themselves to be a lot better. I think both those guys have 
um, star potential. I think Kyler Gordon is going to be a superstar in this league because I think his ball skills are amazing. But man, if June, if Jones can be that that gadget guy that Cordell Patterson on 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 crack, so to speak, um, I think there's gonna he's got a, a, a chance to be really special. Yeah, no question there. I, I, the offense, it's looking to trend in the right d- direction. Defense, too. We're seeing these young guys who are going to battle it out, uh, at wide receiver and corner and safety. It's it's going to be exciting. I think, you know, with Matt Aberflus and the rest of the staff, too, these moves, uh, most recently getting these vets in there, this mix of guys, it really speaks to how this organization – it speaks to Ryan Poles, I, I should say, too. Uh, you know, first year as the Bears GM, where there's a lot of expectations and and it's a uh, kind of a more cupcake schedule than they're used to. Mm-hmm. This is uh, obviously like we saw with Ryan Pace. Ryan Poles is going to take all the blame or a little bit of the praise. You know, with with all of this being said, with the Bears going into this season. And this roster, the way it's put together, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. We sound like the more pessimistic Bears fans, but but that offensive line, I like how it looks so far. I think you know, having those rentals there, uh, the vets make sense at least in the short term with Riley Reef and Michael Schofield, and, and see um, what happens with your younger players there and Cody Whitehair and Devin Jenkins, guys like that. And then wide receiver is going to be a big question. We got to see more camp out of that with Velas Jones and, and Pringle and guys like that, and Darnell Mooney if he continues to remain the number one, which he most likely will with Justin Fields. And then the defensive battles and, and Robert Quinn staying healthy and guys who you need in rotation. And if this defense can go and rebound from last year because they were just a complete liability last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I think we've, like I said earlier, that, you know, the camp battle number one for me is that right tackle position, right? Because we want one of those young guys to really step up um, and, and take advantage and kind of take that thing by the horns. But um, it's going to be really interesting, too, to see the, the defensive uh, line camp battle. I think right now we can all agree, you know, you know, Travis Gibson and, and Robert Quinn are their best uh, bookend uh, defensive ends, but on the inside, it gets really interesting. There, you know, the, I know a lot of people are really high on Angelo Blackson, um, but you know, can Justin Jones also get in there and kind of mix it up a little bit? And what about Tonga? What about you know, how does Mario Edwards fit in? Who's kind of like that veteran that I, that only that always sneaks up on you? But even a guy like um, you know Al Kadeen Muhammad, who comes from the Colts, you know, Matt Bufus knows him very well. Um, he's going to be able to try and sneak in and get some snaps too. So. I'm excited that camp is back. Um, we get all the the hyperbole in the world this time of year. Everybody's got that dog in them right now. Everybody's in the best shape of their life. Everybody's, you know, showing up and and it, the the optimism. I know you just said a couple of times everybody thinks we're pessimists. Listen, I, I think now's the time to be optimistic and be excited because football is is back around the corner. We get the Hall of Fame game next week, um, and, and so you know we everybody's going to start doing their your fantasy draft soon and stuff like that. And, and listen, I, you know, we're, we're about six weeks away from Justin Fields versus Trey Lance and in, in soldier field week one. And I mean, shit, that's exciting. You get two second year quarterbacks who are starters now um, on, on two storied franchises. And, you know, they, they, I can't even be pessimistic about that. That's going to be exciting. Now if the bears get thumped 30 to six, then we're going to have a different conversation, but at least for the next couple of weeks, things are things are. You should have something to look to look forward to. I'll tell you, Evan. You know, 
last year we were sitting in your uh, in your in your dad's uh, basement out in Lake Geneva when the Bears got their asses handed to them by the Buffalo Bills in a preseason game. Remember that? Right. And I think oh, yeah. I think everybody in the world knew that this could be a really rough season, right? And that's so that's what we hope that we don't see in one of these preseason games, just a complete uh, non-competitive team who's going to completely lay down and, and not do shit. And we remember seeing uh, Josh Allen for a couple series and Trubisky coming in and lighting them up. And that was a preseason game that felt like the whole wind out of the season was was let out just in that game. That's what I don't want to see is, um, you know, regardless of what happens here in the next couple of weeks, you want to see some fight and, and some competitiveness because I think that's going to set the tone for this uh, this tenure going forward and uh, hopefully for this team for not only this year but for years to come. It goes back to that change in, in the coaching staff and a new GM. I think a new philosophy is underway here with this Bears team as well going into training camp now. And Justin Fields, everybody's behind him. You know, the, whenever Roquan starts to practice too, everybody will be behind him. They understand that this is um, him holding out for some contract money that he that will be well-deserved because he's a franchise player at this point. But – these guys are behind Matt Aberflus, so I, I do have a lot of confidence in them. Of course, it's a shortened preseason. We'll see them have uh, it condensed by one one less game, so three games of the Chiefs and Seahawks and Browns. But I'm I'm. It is the time to be a, a little more opportunistic, a little more not pessimistic, a little more positive. Uh, that's for sure, and it's uh, it's something to see when you, you can really start to kind of blue sky your your own predictions for the Bears and Justin Fields and this receiving core and the defense and how they can they can really make some noise, especially in the NFC North when you look at the Packers limping into uh, this preseason where they I believe they just lost Bakhtiari, I mean, who's always injured. It's, you know, something like that. And then you got Minnesota and the Lions who are all these teams are projected to be better than the Bears. I mean, the Bears could shock them all for sure. I mean, uh, we're looking at the rest of the NFC. Who knows? But, but uh, yeah, it's a good time to to be positive there. And uh, and if you go to training camp, go buy yourself a twenty dollars Mitch Trubisky uh, shirt. Why not? You know, <laughs> give, give it to uh, we give it to the homeless. I don't know. <laughs> oh, the homeless with Trubisky shirts. Here's my question about that: Is training camp today was not open to the public? It was just open to media. Yeah. So, so why is the, to the media? Right. I was like, <laughs> why the hell is the pro shop open to the media? What the hell are they going to do with the twenty dollars Mitchell Trubisky jersey? Why the hell would they want that? That was just such an odd move right there. But um, yeah. it, it's just an odd move in general to have twenty dollars uh, is too much too. It's way too much money for <laughs> for and that's no slight to Mitchell Trubisky, uh, but he's no longer the quarterback of this team. Um, I already saw the the uh, over exaggerations already coming out of Steelers camp today uh, throughout his first couple passes, uh, both both good and bad. So, you know, it's, it's training camp time right now. People are going to overreact to every single tweet that gets thrown out there from some guy who's who's sitting in the corner just kind of trying to seek an Instagram video or something like that of an of a errant throw. Yeah, the bar flies are super uh, pumped and, and optimistic in the chat. That's for sure. They are. are we like, you know, talking about the rest of the season too. I know we got a sneak peek. We're not going to go over the schedule. We've we'll do that later on, of course, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, this last week, one of the 
the better sights I saw was that I did dig that orange helmet. I don't know how you felt about it, Ross. I know how you felt about it because I think you said you bought one, a little, little orange helmet oh. right away. <laughs> and I dig it, man. I dig all of these alternate uniforms. I'm all for it. I think they'll be playing it uh, in it October 13th. Yep. All orange, I'm all for it, man. Yeah, I'm all for it, too. I, I did buy one of the little mini helmets. I was tempted to buy a real helmet. They were selling the real helmet at the same time, and I was like, what the hell am I going to do with a real helmet? Give it to Bradley. Yeah, right, exactly. I'll do that, Aldo. What a good producer. Absolutely. Um, I think it looks good. I, You know, my, my only critique is I, I would have liked to have seen an actual bear logo on there, right? Just because that's something that they've never really done before is, is put the actual bear on there. Um, but I like the I like the look. I like the color. I think your your um, your guys like like Justin Fields is gonna look amazing in it, and, and and Mooney and Jones and stuff like that. I'd be really interested to see how some of the uh, the three hundred twenty pound guys look in in that orange that all orange on there. It's, it's given very sun kissed vibes uh, for some of those guys. So, um, but you know, shout out to the Bears. I I like the fact that the whole league is is trying something a little bit different and trying to, uh, you know, up their uniform game. It's just only ups their marketing game a little bit. I, I think they realize that, you know, they've got the number one product in, in all of TV. They're, they've got the number one TV show uh, every single year, every single week. And so anything that you can do to attract uh, people and, and, and make, the, make it more aesthetically pleasing, I'm all in. Um, anything, anytime that fans can kind of add to their jersey collection and stuff like that, I'm all in too. The Bears orange looks great. Those Bengals with that white and oh, that black on the whew, that's clean. That is that's that is number one right there in the books. I even like the way the Jets are doing that all that all kind of black look too. So it, it's cool. I mean, I think everybody geeked out for a long time when the, when the Oregon Ducks would show up and they had like. 325 different jersey combinations and stuff like that it, it's fun i like it, it and anytime the, the no fun league can start having some more fun again it's awesome so i'm pro jersey switch ups i'm pro whatever number the hell you want to wear i i'm pro you know you, you get in the end zone you want to do whatever dance you want all that's good with me at the end of the day this is just a freaking game right and so let yeah. these guys have fun out there it is a lot of orange, Nomad, uh, and don't go hunting with that orange. You'll you'll stick out like a sore thumb. That's the only reason they don't do that Bears logo on the orange. It's so much orange as is, uh, but that would be great. I would love to see that at some point. We're talking about retro logos coming back, all that as well. You know, and the rest of the NFL, Ross, of course, training camp has started for all these other teams as well, but, you know, we weren't done with all these offseason signings too, and we'll start with the most recent player to uh, get signed to you know of note to me was julio jones and mm -hmm. the rich get richer on paper again with julio jones signing with the buccaneers but this is a guy who had a, a real terrible season last year we don't know how much he has left in the tank but i know a lot of people were talking about mike evans chris godwin you have russell gage and then you add julio jones who you're just taking a flyer on if he's half the player he was who's you know almost a, a a hall of fame type of player the way he played with matt ryan just incredible talent is it the best receiving core and is you know what's a projection for julio you know is it the best receiving core it it, it probably is i i think that it's um it's know, up there with the rams it's up there with the rams absolutely and the rams are gonna you know i think we're gonna see a great bounce back here from Allen robinson um as well but um, you know, what I like about the move for the Bucks is, you know, um, Chris Godwin still coming off that ACL injury and they, they have 
Uh, they're optimistic that he can go week one, but if he's going week one, he's definitely not 100% on week one. And, and you know, we, we've seen guys from ACL injuries. It takes a little bit longer for them to kind of get back into the groove of things. But you either have the option to um, not throw him out there right away week one if you don't want to, or just put him on a pitch count and let him ease himself in. Um, and then for the Julio, by, by having that insurance of Julio, but on the flip side of it, Julio doesn't have to be your number one or two receiver. And I think the reason why he wasn't so successful in, in Tennessee, number one, Ryan Tannehill still in the football. Number two, um, there's just too much pressure to put on him at, at this point in his career. He's not that guy anymore. He, he, he can't take that burden on and all those snaps anymore, and he can't hold up for 17 games and then also show up in the playoffs. But if you make him your number four receiver, which he basically is right now for the Bucks, right? You got Evans, Godwin, Gage, and then Julio Jones. And you can even uh, mix in there um, some, some Scotty Miller, and, and they got some other guys as well. Um, then all of a sudden, you can kind of say, Julio, you're going to be on a pitch count for every single week, but we really want you to show up towards the end of the season into the playoffs and be that big body uh, that's to be able to catch some tough, some tough passes, uh, do a lot of red zone work and stuff like that. Don't forget, too, they also signed Cal Rudolph, um, the, the former Vikings tight end, to come in. It's huge without yep. Gronk. Yeah. yeah, and do a lot of that Gronkowski work. They still have Cameron Brait. They've got playoff Lenny coming out the backfield. So the Bucks are loaded. You know, I, I saw a pass today for that that the Bucks uh, Twitter account tweeted out, and it was a deep pass from Tom Brady to Julio Jones. And, you know, Tom Brady still got that. He still has his deep ball. He still has one of the prettiest deep balls in the league, right? And if Julio Jones can just kind of stretch the field once or twice a game, it was worth it. And, and also the Bucks took away, um, you know, they it was addition by subtraction because we know the Packers were really in on Julio Jones too, and they wanted to bring him in. And those two teams are going to be uh, in direct competition with each other for like the one, the number one and two seeds. And I think that the Packers, uh, um, their receiving core is ugh, it's it's rough to me. I, I think it's a lot rougher than the Bears. Christian Watson is already on the pup list, um, and they, you know they they have um, some really a lot of depth issues in my you know opinion. After that, they got Lazard, who I know Aaron Rodgers today um, gave a little bit of a slight to Devontae Adams by. Also calling Lazard, he would say he's going from one Hall of Famer to another because Aaron Rodgers called, I mean, Devontae Adams called Derek Carr a, a future Hall of Famer the other day. Um, so we're already, already starting that. But I think the Packers are really going to struggle offensively with those receivers um, because as we saw late last year, Rodgers really locked in heavily on Adams and nobody else. So good move by the Bucs to, to even take away from the Packers. Aaron Rodgers looking like Nick Cage for Con Air 2 out yeah, here in his, in his white theater. Yeah, Put the bunny in the box. <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers aside, I, I like the Julio signing because it's just all upside, right? Even though, you know, everybody's in the chat is citing his injury history. Dude, I mean, he, he played with a great quarterback in Matt Ryan. Tom Brady just makes these guys better. If he can stay remotely healthy and just bring him on on – Third down as an option, still a huge guy, still has some speed in him. He has that experience too. Uh, he'll he'll do wonders for him. I think you know they're the Bucks again, yet again are loaded. It all just comes back to Brady and his forty-four year old body. If it can hold up another season before he just you know it looks like Thanos snapped his fingers and he just dissolves into dust after a sack. But he's he's talking. About, I was just reading another article about him how he feels peak physical condition and he's just doing his damn thing. Mm -hmm. 
And the guy who was also doing his damn thing is Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. who got paid and one of the best young quarterbacks out there right now. And Arizona locked him up to a five-year, what, 230-ish million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. But it comes with some homework, Ross, of course, for four, four hours of independent study per week. This sounds like a punishment almost for the young man. It's like, have you ever seen something like this before for a young quarterback? Is it, I wonder with this with this uh, bit of study, is it they study so much as is. How is this mandated? There's other things in the contract, too, I feel like that I'm missing, but that definitely stuck out. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to tell you that he doesn't study at all. I think he, he's they're trying to tell you that the, the guy, right that the guy just shows up on on Sundays on his God-given you know raw talent, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, listen, I, I think the contract was deserved. I, I think Kyler Murray is an electric football player. Obviously, he's got his struggles um, after Call of Duty comes out, whatever the hell that was. Did you see that going around on Twitter? I that did. His, yeah. his production falls off after Call of Duty comes out every single year, um, <laughs> which reminds me. Side note: I almost flunked out of college my freshman year. Because I could not fucking turn off Final Fantasy VII, which is <laughs> <laughs> I just could not stop playing. I oh, I looked up I looked up one great. time and I had logged ninety eight hours of Final Fantasy VII. It was Final Fantasy VIII for me. Oh my god! And I was yeah. like, all right, I need to turn this game off before I fuck out. <laughs> so I hear you, Kyler Murray. I also would That's stay tremendous. up until three forty five in the morning playing Modern Warfare, the, the original one. So. I, I'm with Kyler Murray on this, but yeah, I, I just wonder how they're going to track that. Are, are they going to have like a like a camera on his iPad, or are they going to have like a timer or like a special software? There's so that- much technology now where yeah, they'll definitely yeah. have him log in and log out, and you you can. It's like we we do with well, I'll do with my daughter, and I'm sure you do with your kids. You can see their screen time, how it's logged, and when they start it up and when they stop, it's going to be something like that. And they they'll probably have an assistant just following him for this, or, or lock him in a room for these four hours or whatever whatever mm-hmm. absolutely it's, so it's incredible i mean listen any any you know i i think it's i i know a lot of people were knocking it and saying that they kind of they're are they saying that kyler is stupid or, or, or unintelligent or, or are they babying him stuff like that but i'm okay with that i think it's a little bit of accountability i, I listen four hours a week is not that hard to do when that's it's your not. only job right so right. I, I don't have a problem with it listen you want to give me 230 million dollars to, to study four times a week um, I, let me know. I'll give you my, my routing number and I'll give you my, my, my bank account number. We can, we can set that up tomorrow. Just don't give him final fantasy 15. <laughs> and it all goes to hell. If you show up with final fantasy yeah. in my house. That, we're definitely that not getting flat out. We'll study it all up. Yeah. GTA six. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're playing, we're playing the new, uh, Spider-Man in my house right now. The Miles Morales one on, on PlayStation <laughs> five. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting real hot and heavy with me and my five-year-old. Oh, I forgot you got the PS5. Man, I'm I'm a guy who this is going off the wheels, of course, on the <laughs> off the track that is, but I'm a guy who has not had a had a gaming system in 10 years, unfortunately. I tried to get an Xbox like right when before the riots hit. And then the riots hit and they were like, it's no longer available. I had no. ordered and then that was a sign. All right, I guess it'll be another 10 years, or if my daughter wants a, a fucking Nintendo or something, then I'll get that. All right, all that bullshit aside, uh, I, was, I wanted to talk quickly about, we talked about Mitchell Trubisky, but already he, he, the poor guy, I feel like uh, Pittsburgh is really down on him. And it's, you know, what, day one for all these teams for training camp and already feel like people are projecting Kenny Pickett to to win this battle over Mitch Trubisky. What's the likelihood there, Ross? I still think that Trubisky is your, is your week one starter. 
but I think it's a super short leash. leash. And I, I think that um, it's ironic that I, I think that Trubisky could be Mike Glennon at some point, right? Because that's the guy that, that Trubisky did that too. Um, I just think Mitchell is a career backup. I, I will stand by that. I think he deserves this opportunity again with Pittsburgh, and I think they're going to give him a fair shot. But I just don't think his skill set screams, um, you know, long term um, starting quarterback to me anymore. I, I think he has a, a tough time uh, processing in the moment. I, I think he's very much so a, a one read quarterback, uh, and he will always be that guy. And um, I, I think he doesn't trust his. Um, his instincts enough, and I don't think he trusts. I don't think he trusts his his physical abilities and talent enough because I think he has it. Um, but I and so I, I can see Pickens uh, overtaking that position. I'd say the over under for that whole thing to go down is probably by about week five. Yeah, Mike Tomlin not ready to name a starting quarterback in the first practice. That's that's always promising. It's right. obviously a huge change than what they're used to with Ben Roethlisberger now gone. It's. It's weird around the NFL. Russell Wilson, not in Seattle. They're saying, uh, what's his face? Geno Smith over Drew Locke. Smith over gross. Drew Locke. Gross. What the f- What? <laughs> that is awful. You are back to square one. Speaking of gross, Russell Wilson showed up to, like, he showed up to, to training camp, like, in street clothes, but his own jersey. I've never seen a guy show up before in his own jersey. Like, you know, you you wear that, like, to work. Like, that. I don't know. That was the yeah. most bizarre thing. Usually There's guys, some Gucci or something, brother. Yeah, like, usually yeah. guys show up, like, like a Prada or yeah. um, I've been digging the, the Crocs shirt with uh, the Crocs shoes with, like, some random hip-hop uh, guy or a wrestler. And this oh. guy showed up in his own jersey and then had, like, his, like, R&B wife and all his kids there in his jersey for day one. I was like, oh, my God. Is this your first training camp or is this your 11th? Because I, I thought it was the latter. He's a weird guy. He's, he's you know, he's very super, super Christian. Him and Sierra, they're just, he's an odd guy. He's, he's, all, he's all business. He's got, he got no style. <laughs> it's this guy. Any, anything else as far as NFL headlines as, as these teams report to training camp, Ross? I know we briefly touched on all these these quarterback battles and and the NFC North and the Bears for sure, but what else is going on? Yeah, I you know I would say um, a couple of things. Number one, um, stop disrespecting Lamar Jackson. That is a a MVP winning yeah, quarterback. This Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes slander needs to stop. I oh, think I think it's yeah. fucking stupid. I will take Lamar Jackson on my team uh, on any Sunday. I think he's a dynamic talent. Um, I think Warren Sharp Sharp tweeted out so eloquently, but. Um, Lamar Jackson is a first down pass quarterback. The stats back it up. Um, I, I think that he deserves every dime that hopefully eventually will be coming his way. Calling Pat Mahomes, who's probably a, a, one of the best generational talents we've ever seen at quarterback, a one read quarterback and, and stuff like that is just absolutely absurd. Um, so that that kind of would um, bothered me a little bit. Um, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing is, is interesting, right? Because they right. finally came out and say that Trey Lance is their guy and they're moving on. But Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, carries a $25 million cap hit. And is that something that you want to have as a backup quarterback going into the year? And the fact that, you know, you, you, if he's on your roster, you're going to pay him $25 million. You kind of have to practice him. You got to play him in preseason games and stuff like that. Um, so what are they going to do? I, I don't know if he's a really tradable option right now because the dust is kind of settled, so to speak. I think if he was going to Seattle, they would have done that deal already, right? I, and so, um, you know, him not going to um, to Carolina instead of Baker Mayfield going there, it's mm-hmm. like, what's next for Jimmy Garoppolo? I, I think they will 
excuse me, eventually have to release him. And then if they release him, who jumps on him? The top two teams that come to mind for me are the Seattle Seahawks because they, they really could use his talent. But keep an eye on the ball on the um, on the Miami Dolphins because if that Tua thing looks bad earlier, you know, than, than expected, um, you know, we obviously know um, you know McCarthy's down there, and um, I'm sorry, McDaniel. McDaniel's his name, um, and you know he's got ties with Jimmy. They keep signing X 49er players to come into that system. And um, I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo with those, with those boorishly handsome looks would do really well on South Beach. Jimmy G. But yeah. but Tyreek already said to is the most accurate quarterback. Which, which, will be, yeah, so. which will make that all the more awkward when Jimmy G eventually shows up there to take uh, move. How to about say like, job. How about just say he's accurate? How yes, about that? How about, how about he won't underthrow right. me? How, yeah. about, how about that? Start yeah. there. It's worth mentioning that that uh, DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel and Derwin James from the yeah. Seahawks and Niners and Chargers are all holding out for contract issues. And Seattle, it's just it's kind of a mess right now. But if Jimmy G gets there, who knows? And then Chris Carson just retired. Yep. His neck yep. injuries. Godspeed to him. I I, yeah. I completely get it. Um, I think Derwin James will get his money sooner than later. He's a very important piece to that football team. He's he's one of the three best safeties in the NFL. And, um, you know, we just saw the last safety set the market for him. I think he'll get his money a lot quicker than both of those receivers. But, listen, San Francisco needs um, Debo Samuel on that football field week one. Um, no question. With, with Trey Lance against the Bears or else they're, they're going to get their clocks clean, I think, by the Bears. The DK Metcalf thing is interesting because I, I, I still think that they should have traded him a long time ago. I, I, I think that they should have traded him. If you want to trade him <laughs> to the Bears. Trade high. Trade, go for it. But – I, I don't think that he fits in the timeline of what they're trying to do there. They don't have a quarterback. I don't know if you're going to try and pay him Devontae Adams money, but have Geno Smith throw him the football. That doesn't make any sense to me. Just go ahead and flip him for a couple of first-round draft picks and be done with it, right? Pete Carroll has always been a run-first guy anyway. So blow that thing up and, and, and trade Debo, uh, and trade DK Metcalf already. And so I'm on his side too, man. I'm not showing up there busting my ass and, and catching ducks from, from Drew Locke, and you're not going to give me new paper. I'll sit right here uh, until you decide to pay me or trade me. Totally fair. We're still sticking with the Seahawks. The, the chat's going wild. Aldo, when did you meet Sarah? We need the story. And, <laughs> and I, I really need uh, need need to uh, bring a segment uh, where we talk to Aldo about that on, on the next Mac and Reed show. <laughs> <laughs> we got to move on. Other things in the news. Uh, sports related, this is I feel like, just been dominating the headlines that we did not talk about. But uh, about the whole Brittany Griner shit that's been going on and her being detained in Russia. Now, Joe Biden, the administration, has offered to exchange Russian arms trafficker Victor Bout for Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan because mm -hmm. she's been detained in Russia for better part of like five months now. Mm -hmm. It's it's insane for this, you know, something that was prescribed to her, I believe, too, or she could at least produce something like that. It uh, It's pretty screwed up. Would you take that trade? Uh, I think Russia will take that trade, right? Russia you're, take that trade. <laughs> you're, you're trading an arms dealer for for a female basketball player. Listen, I it, it's tough to get into the politics of, of all that. I'll I'll say this: I, I think that yeah. we can all agree um, what she's in jail for specifically was was just um, you know some some cannabis oil is is absolutely ridiculous. I, I think in in, in 2020 
uh, where you know marijuana is recreational, you know, as as recreational use is legal in a lot of the world now, including a lot of the United States, including here in Chicago, where you and I both are. Um, so I, I do not think that she be she should be incarcerated for that. But also that's their law there. And you have to understand that that's the law that they have. And, and sometimes you got to abide by that. So it's all a very blurred line. So I will say for her sake, I hope that she's able to come home sooner than later and come back to her family because the whole thing has been um, a complete nightmare for her. And um, she deserves to I, I feel like she's she's done more than enough time already for such a fall, a small infringement or, or reaction. Um, the whole trading um, an, an arms dealer and stuff like that, that they've done movies about already and stuff like that, that yeah. gets a little sketchy. That gets a little sketchy, and uh, hopefully it doesn't blow up anybody's face long term. No pun intended. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Ross, will no. you miss the Chaco Taco? That's the big headline. I was never a big fan. Everybody acts like like their dog died. <laughs> Choco Taco sounds like what you need to have after you got a little weed in your system. That's right? true. Yeah. A little Choco Taco action. Um, Jim Burr I guess, somewhere was like, oh, no. <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I had a Choco Taco. Um, but it was funny because when I was in D.C. last week with the family, they've got these bomb pops everywhere because they're obviously super patriotic looking. And I hadn't had a bomb pop in like, easily 12 years and, I, and so i decided to buy one which was like seven dollars fuck you capital what right <laughs> i hate the future <laughs> sucks it's like fuck you tom jefferson selling me <laughs> seven dollar bomb pops outside the lincoln memorial shit is this um, and it was not what i remembered it it just was not good it was just like way too much high fructose corn syrup and sugar wow. and i i couldn't even get through a third of it before i threw it away uh, East Coast has some sneaky good snacks. Tasty Cakes. You ever, you ever eat those? I've Ooh, had word. Tasty Cake before. I feel like Absolutely. they've gotten smaller as I've gotten bigger, though. <laughs> yeah, Tasty Cakes are good. When I made the drive through Virginia from D.C. to go see family, we saw many a Tasty Cake shop. And they, they're also, they frequently on the East Coast still have the, the Krispy Kreme actual um, places that still turn on the hot lamps and, and if you see a hot lamp on, you be, need to go pull over and get yourself a hot glazed donut because it is it is like perfection. That sounds lovely. Ross, of course, had his East Coast voyage. Were you went to Baltimore and, and Virginia and other, did, other places. We uh, we DC, did, lovely. DC. We did Baltimore. We drove down to uh, to beautiful Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, shout out to Baltimore. I'm, 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 I got 30 minutes left of, of We Own the City. John Bernthal is, is absolutely smoking that show right now. It is absolutely amazing show. I know it's it's completely wrapped up, but uh, shout out to, to Baltimore. He's Simon. He is he is everywhere right now. He's on the bear too. He's on the bear. He's got uh, American Gigolo show coming out in, in a couple of weeks on on Showtime. It's it's good. He's he's the he's um the Punisher of course, which has been renewed right. for Marvel. So you know, buy your John Bernthal stock right now. Stock up on him. He's awesome. In the chats, isn't a Choco Taco a sideways drumstick? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's just a reformed drumstick, you know? Yes. With a Hispanic flair to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to these diss tracks. Let's do it. So, top five, and the honorable mention list is pretty great. I know that Drake, your boy, he has several on there. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, you know, Lauren Hill with Lost Ones. Mm -hmm. We've had... Common actually have some diss tracks come out, and he's been the subject of some diss tracks. But uh, you know, fucking LLs in there. Mm -hmm. There's a long, great history, Gucci Man. But 
there's like the top 10 and the top five to six are pretty indisputable, I would say. So, Ross, I want you to, to set it off with your number five. With my number five. So my number five comes from um, a hip hop beef that was uh, very prominent when I was really kind of coming into my own uh, loving hip hop. Um, at the, I feel like at, at the height of, of hip hop in the last 25 years, and that comes from the Jay-Z and, and, and Nas beef. Um, so my number five is The Takeover, which is the second song. On, oh my God, it's number five? It is, which is the second song on the, on the Blueprint album, of course, as we all know. Jay-Z famously going after uh, Nas and also Mob Deep in that song. He performed that song at Summer Jam. Um, it was a huge ordeal back in the day. The beat is amazing. Um, uh, no ID did the, did, the, did the beat, who's from Chicago. Um, absolutely just brutal, brutal track um, that um, to be will be upended by my number four uh, track coming up. Oh, man, I can't believe it's number five. Your boy Jay-Z, your number one Jay-Z, rapper of all time. My number, my number one hip-hop album of all time, yeah. Uh, so number five for me is is really just, it, it, I had to, you know, you had to not include, obviously, a lot of great candidates in this top five. Mm-hmm. And just for me, who always responds and kills it is Eminem. Mm-hmm. But I can't exactly name one great, I think the most recent one he did was Kill Shot, where he just slaughtered MGK. And yeah. how easy is that anyways with this yeah. goofy ass? We'll be at Lollapalooza this weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so go go check him out, I guess. No. <laughs> uh, if, you your, if you want your ears to fucking bleed. So, so him with Kill Shot and then the sauce taking on the source and coffin quitter, like his mixtape diss tracks. Like the, Eminem is just one of the best lyricists of all time. And he's arguably, I mean, certainly in that hall of fame and rock and roll hall of fame and the hip hop hall of fame, he's just the baddest, one of the baddest dudes to ever do it. And it's evident on kill shot and those other songs I mentioned, he, he crushes it and, and don't, you don't fuck with Eminem. He will come at you with with some fire. <laughs> he's he's one of the best lyricists of all time. He can go three to four minutes straight of just nothing but bars on you without breath. You definitely don't want to get into a rap battle uh, with Eminem. As Mackay Pfeiffer found out in Eight Mile, you don't want. That's right. <laughs> spaghetti, spaghetti. That's right. Oh, rabbit! Don't mess with rabbit. What's um, number? Four? My number four for me is um, the the comeback from Nas to the takeover. It is Ether. It's um, Mm -hmm. it's on the Stillmatic album. I I never forget the first time I heard Ether, and I was absolutely just blown away by it Um, because I didn't think anybody was going to be able to to go bar for bar with Jay Z. And and, and Nas dropped Ether fairly quickly after takeover came out, and I think I thought he absolutely just eviscerated Jay Z in that battle. I know Jay Z uh, came back. with the, the super ugly freestyle after that, it was over by that point. Nas, the ether is is still to this day just one of the best hip hop beef songs of all time. It's still a song that I love playing very much. He starts a song with a, a, a fuck Jay Z sample and just couldn't goes completely in on him. Um, so I, I love I love that I love that for Nas because it was a, a, a strong point in his career. He was, he was really tired of taking Jay-Z shit. He's one of the greatest rappers of all time. And as we all know, both those guys ended up patching up the beef uh, shortly after that. They did a couple tracks together. And, and all is all is forgotten in, in, in uh, going forward. But Ether is my number four. Absolutely. just They're both basically on that New York Mount Rushmore of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're both incredible. That's like the, the most noteworthy beef in quotes that we have seen, too. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Number four for me uh, was Hit Him Up 
mm-hmm. and all the Tupac parts. I know, like Ross, when you were when we were breaking it down, I feel like you know, including the rest of his squad. But the way he begins it, and and obviously we got to nod to some of the lyrics saying, uh, "Fuck your bitch" and the click you claim and West Side when we ride, just you know, going right at Junior Mafia and and using the same sample that Junior Mafia used was just heavy to, to go at them like that. And we know one of the, the best rivalries that, that we certainly drew up over time was that at West side, East, uh, East coast, uh, West coast, East coast um, beef that we saw that was largely Biggie versus Tupac. And that, 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 that song just hit so hard, man. And I think that Tupac again, in that short, library of music that he has that's that's one of his his finest i know that the song kind of like you know draws on towards the end there but but that's up there that's number four for me it's it's my number three for me um for all the things that you just said i it, it would be higher on my list if it wasn't for so much outlaws on there i'm not a big fan of um of, of, of when you incorporate other people into your beef and put them on the songs. So that's why it kind of gets knocked down a little bit for me. The video is absolutely hilarious. The guy that they get to play Biggie in the video oh, yeah, yeah. is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and to the comment on the screen, um, you know, Biggie, what's beef is in my honorable mention as long as well as kicking the door is, is in my honorable mention as well. Those are two classic um, you know, hip hop beef tracks. But to me also, the, the two black Biggie beef, mostly because the both of them are gone. Um, it just ages so poorly to me, right? And, and, and why they were beefing ages so poorly. It just, it all felt just, it didn't make any sense. And they were so young and so gifted at the time. And yeah. it's just all in hindsight. Yeah, they were entertaining songs, but also it's like in hindsight, you're just like, man, I really wish that none of this really happened because, um, you know, both both arguably would still be alive if we didn't have it. Yeah, if there was no beef in the first place. Yeah, so that was your number three. Number three for mo- for me was our boy Pusha T, Cocaine's Dr. Seuss, story of Adidon. Very one of the best recent diss tracks that I've heard, and you heard mm-hmm. about Drake and, and Pusha T going back and forth. Uh, and you know, I guess points can be docked for originality with him rapping over a no ID beat, beat in uh, story of OJ that was a Jay Z beat. Um, mm-hmm. but man, he just eviscerates Drake in this. I think it's incredible. He, he ended it. I mean, whether Jay, Jay Prince had to step in or not, he just fucked him up, man. He's you know, the whole hiding a child thing. This, Steve Harvey's suit, he just like eviscerates him over this. Uh, talking about the uh, let me let him know who you chose as your Beyonce. Uh, <laughs> Sophie knows better as your baby mother. Cleaned her up for IG. Just all of these, like if you go on and see these lyrics, top to bottom, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. And and you know he just had no response as far as Drake. I know he was told not to respond, and that's kind of a. Uh, a business decision that he has to, to to live with but you know to me that just ended it when Pusha T went and, and did this song and did this diss track he definitely did his homework on that track and and, and oh my god and yeah really, and brought Talk it about out ghostwriting and all this yeah, shit too man, there's absolutely. too much subject matter to not just go in on him absolutely um number two for me is uh you know taking it back old school late 90s I, I um cannabis with second round KO yeah, that's my number two. That's him going against LL Cool J back in the day. That beef kind of started on the track four three two one, which is a classic hip hop song for me. Um, you know, cannabis, one of the best lyricists of all time. 
uh, really struggled to put songs together and put albums together. But second round KO is just an absolute annihilation of, of one of the the, the best and, and, and famous rappers of all time in LL Cool J. He gets Mike Tyson to to do the ad libs and on, on the track, and Mike Tyson's in the video. Um, it's just an absolute perfection of, of a beef track right there. And I know LL came back with Return of the Ripper uh, after that, which is a very good hip hop track as well, uh, a hip hop beef track as well. But um, yeah, Cannabis was second round KO. The beat is absolutely amazing. He just goes crazy on them for the entire song. It's something that still to this day kind of gives me goosebumps when I hear it. That's a good one, Ross. Very good. Number two for me is Takeover. Yeah. And although I feel like it, yeah, again, not aging well, like the beef is not there anymore. And like we talked about the same thing, we wish that these guys never had the, these arguments and these these differences in the first place. Uh, but Nas being arguably more active than Jay-Z now, but just as accomplished, like whatever with that. But the beat, the buildup in the verse is like, as soon as you, I heard that five to one sample from mm -hmm. the doors for me was just bananas to me how he roc we run this rap shit just went in mm -hmm. on uh and then the verses like we, we talk about jay-z and, and his place in hip-hop i mean it's it's obviously so high up there as one of the best mcs of all time and and set the bar so high and you know really the reason ether for me is not on the list is because this just provoked ether to for Nas and like just we got another great piece of music mm -hmm of this and takeover is just one of jay-z one of my favorite jay-z songs and and has a lot of just super memorable uh lyrics throughout there um i believe it was what was the one i was just thinking of wise man told me don't argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who is who i feel like that was just trending a, a while ago too it was kevin hart was talking about beef like that too and, and, yep. and that lyric came up yep absolutely a great one number right one? my number, number one, one my friend it's no Vaseline. It's yeah. no best. It's no yeah, best. Come on. It, it is the best hip-hop diss track of all time. It still bangs to this day. It is a classic song. Those lyrics are, whew, they're rough, they're gritty, they're brutal, they're visceral. The beat is amazing. And it is Ice Cube at like his, I think people forget because Ice Cube did Friday and and are we there yet? And and all he was a family guy and all this stuff that Ice Cube would get in your ass on the microphone, and he absolutely destroys everybody in MWA uh, and Jerry Falwell, of course, their their uh, their manager at the time in that track, and, and that was the kickoff really to his solo career, which was very obviously lucrative for him going forward. Um, he he ended that group right then and there and really uh, launched himself into superstardom. It's just an amazing track. I still, it's still on my, my workout playlist to this day. And anytime it comes on, I cannot turn it off. I will listen to it all the way through. So no Vaseline. What a great name too for a, uh, for, for a diss track as you can obviously tell where he's going with that. Here's what they think about you. It's a, it's a banger, man. Uh, yeah, Ice Cube just really, I mean, just eviscerates everybody from NWA so methodically. Looking like straight bozos. What's your favorite line from that from that song? Think about wow, it. Wrong, solo, yep. Yeah, but easy. It. You know, talking about easy and Dr. Dre stick to producing and and yeah, uh, putting Jerry Heller in there. He just did not leave anybody out from DJ L to MC Ren. All these guys. It's it's funny the way it was depicted in in Straight Outta Compton too. 
which was a great biopic mm-hmm. of you know of the of NWA and when Ice Cube went off and it was uh, Ice Cube's son portraying uh, Ice Cube doing that song for the first time and all the reactions it was just fantastic I was like this is definitely what it was like they're just losing their minds over this this track mm-hmm. uh, and yeah he crushed it I mean Ice Cube that's such a, a great song and it sets the bar there's no other great diss track that like besides no vaseline for for you or for me there is absolutely. absolutely all right we ran out of show thanks to everybody for listening in on on spotify itunes and podbean checking us out on youtube watching with the live stream thank you to the barflies thank you to aldo for producing our show check out science fiction later on tonight as well if you want to you get your sci-fi fix on check us out on twitter follow me at the real evan mac follow ross at ross reed for now we say deuces be good to each other out there so long everybody please